0: a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Financial President, Financial Advisor Steve Peasley.
1: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Tuesday, May 30th, 2023. The Memorial Day weekend is now in the rearview mirror. I hope everybody had a good time, and hope you had a nice celebration. Um, kind of, kind of, here in Southern California, it's almost rainy. The, the The mist is so heavy; it's almost like rain. It's not a normal. Uh, Normal weekend for us. Usually, by this time, we're having pretty sunny days. Maybe morning gloom in the morning because I'm closer to the ocean. But generally, it burns off, and I have a nice sunny afternoon. But not not for a week or two. We've been in this very different weather. It's kind of kind of nice. It's kind of cool. I'm Steve and I'm here today on the radio program and podcast to help you make the most of your portfolio strategy decisions. Okay, what do you buy? What should you buy? What strategy should you have? What kind of strategy do you have? Or do you even know if you have a strategy? You need, you really do require to have a strategy. I know a lot of people just say, well, I'll just buy stocks and, and you know, hopefully they'll go up and then I sell them. That's, that's not how you're going to make money in the market. That's not a strategy. Everybody wants to buy stocks and have them go up. That's, you know, everybody can say that. Everybody wants the same thing. But it's not a strategy. It's not a good way to manage a portfolio that you're trying to grow for your retirement or for whatever savings reasons you have for growing a portfolio. So that's what we're here for. That's what I'm here for. I'm Steve Peasley, and I'm here today on this radio program and podcast to help you with those things, to help you with the decisions. And you know, I'm always very... Justin and I are extremely careful about giving you unbiased answers. We do not want to paint our answers to to put our own biases inside the the answer to you unless we're perfectly clear that I am a biased against it. For instance, I can tell you right off the bat, I am biased against airline stocks, I am biased against auto stocks. I've just over all these years, I've never done well with either one of them. I don't like the debt that they're in. I don't like how the business model is controlled by things outside their control. You know, especially in airlines when there's strikes and fuel costs. And as soon as they get the the plane leaves the ground on a destination, the seats empty. That that's their inventory. It's worthless. I don't like that. I don't like things. So there's certain biases I have, but I make sure I point them out to you when someone asks me a question about them. So anyways, we have, I have no agenda or hidden agenda or any other agenda other than giving you the straight information that you're asking for, for honest information, for facts that I can decipher from what I have. You know, and just so you know, when we talk about the future earnings estimate, the future sales, or the that's fu- just estimates. Those are guesstimates. Those are not facts. Okay, those are experts' estimates, but they could be wrong, and they've been wrong many times in the past. My focus point today: how to sequence withdrawals in retirement. Now, this is a pretty complex question. It really, is and people probably don't think it is, but it really is. A pretty complex question. Do you take from your 401k, your IRA? Uh, do you take those withdrawal first, last, and what difference does it make? There is a major difference. We're all about taxes and your personal tax situation. But we'll talk about that and give you some information. But there's no way that I can touch upon your personal situation because I don't know what it is. But I'll give you some some rules of thumbs that maybe help you out. Okay. Time permitting, I'll also take a look at some of the things I read today. Uh, for instance, uh, controlling the market. And I'm going to talk about the NASDAQ 100 in this case, but it also, pa- pa- also applies to the S&P 500. What's controlling the market? Now, I'm not talking about earnings or the debt ceiling. I'm talking about which stocks control the market, the indexes. And I think you'll find this pretty interesting. Uh, also, um, uh, house prices, home prices, you know they've been up the last couple of months. So, are we through our housing issue crisis? Mm, uh, not my concerns there. And the debt issue is that behind us? It appears to be over as far as the market is concerned, but the market always pivots to something else. And do you know what it's pivoting to now? Uh, it's coming up here in the middle of. June. We'll talk about those things. Those are the kinds of things I want to talk about if we can get to them. Also, uh, it is is uh, I have voicemail questions. Uh, timing the market is one of the questions, and one someone wants to talk about Disney. Disney's got some real problems, and I'm I I, I fundamentally I like the company long term, but they got some short term issues. It's kind of like Bud Bud Light, right? Uh, and there's some um, a, a large swaths of the population unhappy with Disney. Now, I, do I think they'll have a permanent issue with it? I don't know. Target also has that same issue. Well, maybe we can talk about that when the question comes up. I'm not sure what the question is about Disney, but we'll, we'll, we'll address it. And it is Tuesday, and as it is Tuesday, I always have a trivia question for you. Do you know how to recognize bad advice? Well, we'll want, I'm sure you'll want to hear it. I'm sure you'll want to hear my uh, the answer to that. Do you know how to recognize bad advice? And that's coming up on the halfway point of the show. I got, a, uh, I got a brother-in-law. Notice I hesitated. I have a brother-in-law that cannot help himself listening to bad advice constantly over his whole career. And here he is now at the end of his career, and he's lost Lots and lots of money because he has a get-rich-quick mentality. Hopefully, he's not listening to the show. (laughs) Anyways, but it has not served him well. So, uh, do you know, can you recognize bad advice? That's what we got planned today. The market was mixed. The Dow was down 131. The the NASDAQ was up uh, 22, and the S&P 500 down 7. So the broader market was down because you know the S&P 500 is a broader indi- broader broader indicator. But as I said, not that many stocks. We're going to go over the, the the problems with these indexes as far as trying to read the market and in, in general, just looking at the index because it does not tell the story. It really, really doesn't. Okay. Okay, so that's what we're going to discuss. So let's go ahead and get the first call in. It's a voicemail. Yeah, Steve and Justin.
2: This is Carl from Texas. I'm calling about PIMCO PTY. It's a closed-in fund that pays just under $0.12 monthly dividend. And the stock trades around $12.50. So it's like a 10% or close to a 10% yield every month. And it's been paying that for years. So I just wonder if this stock looks good to you at this range. Thank you.
1: Okay, this is a closed-in fund, everybody, not a stock. So it's PIMCO Corporate and Income. It's a closed-in fund. Uh, Do you know what a closed-in fund is, everybody? That means there's a finite number of shares outstanding. So therefore, supply and demand comes into play, not just the value of the Holdings in the closed in fund, supply and demand of the stock, because there's there's a finite number of shares traded. Anyways, so this is a closed in fund investing in U.S. corporate debt obligations and securities for high return. And you're right, it pays it pays monthly and it gives about a ten percent return. And I think it will continue to do so. Now, this is where your danger is. This has fallen from a little over twenty dollars a share today at twelve dollars and sixty-seven cents. Okay, so, you know, that's a pretty huge hefty fall because interest rates went up, right? That's everything bond-related, income-related is, is, is influenced by interest rates. Now, the question is, are we getting close to being done with the interest rates rising by the Fed? If that's the case, if the Fed doesn't raise interest rates anymore, this would be a good time to buy this kind of fund. Why? Because the rates are not going up now, then most likely the next the path of the next move is down on in interest rates. If interest rates move down, this fund will capital, will appreciate in value, like it depreciated when interest rates went up. So you'll get that yield. You still get that ten percent yield, no matter what. Okay, but you know you might my if the Fed is done raising rates, you might get capital appreciation as well. So, I kind of like this as a possible play, but you're going to have to live through, if they do raise rates next month, you're going to have to live through, it's going to make this thing fall some more, the price fall. We're going to a quick break, everybody. Please remember that you can call anytime and leave your question on the InvestDoc Voice Bank or... If you're listening via live stream, you can do that on our website or on AM 1220 in San Francisco Bay Area. You can call now 888 99Chart.
2: When listener questions are played on the Invest Talk podcast, How do you guys determine a value stock? The caller voices are amplified many thousands of times.
3: Just wanted to get your opinion on J.P. Morgan and BAC. How do you see this? uh, Looking forward I'm 25 years old and have a question about retirement funds.
2: And the unbiased answers from Justin Klein.
3: That's why it's trading so cheap, because there's a lot of regulatory risk. And
2: Steve Beasley.
1: I kind of like it here. If I was going to buy Tyson food, this is where I'd buy it.
2: Steve Peasley is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. I love the show. I appreciate all your advice. I have a question about timing the market. So time in the market, not timing the market, is one of the most important things when investing. And I hear you say not to chase returns. However, many of your callers ask when is the, a good time to buy a certain stock. So, uh, in other words, buying on the dip maybe. So, my question is, how can you reconcile these two uh, seemingly conflicting ideas? If a, a company has a strong business model and strong fundamentals, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, why would I wait for a dip that may or may not happen? So, appreciate the show again. And my name is Forrest, and I'm from Michigan. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye-bye.
1: Well, Forrest, you actually have a very good point there. You're correct. There's, you know, what's the difference when I say, well, wait for that dip or let the dip happen or it'll probably come back down. What I'm looking at when I'm talking about those things and when Justin and I are talking about, we're looking at a chart and just looking at the past pattern of trading of that stock. We also might be looking at the fundamentals, current fundamentals of that company and saying it looks like it's going to go into a weak period in their earnings or sales and we should get a pullback versus trying to time the market in and out of a stock or in and out of stocks period. You know, many people, I'm just looking for a good buy point. And some stocks, you just buy it. You know, uh, I'll give you, for instance, maybe you should just buy Apple. You know, uh, not that I'm suggesting to buy Apple, but I'm thinking, you know, some stocks you just buy and don't worry about it too much, long as you have a long-term horizon. So there, you do have a point. Uh, we're not trying to time the market; we're just looking for a good entry point or exit point based on uh, chart patterns, and chart patterns are not science. It's it's more of an art. So it's you know if, if, if you're going to talk to me about being an investor, you're just looking for a good place to get in with a good price and just hold on to it. That's best, staying in the good, solid companies. But you got to buy the great fundamental companies, the fun companies that can support growth going forward and the price that the stock is currently trading at. We're heading to a break, everybody. I welcome your financial investment questions, and you can do it right now. No question is too simple or too complex. Well, might be too complex. I'm not that smart. So but you do get to set the agenda. Call Invest Talk, 888-99 chart.
2: Everybody wants a secure financial future. That means you'll have finance and investment questions. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley are ready to provide their unbiased answers. InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART.
1: 888-992-4278. That's our number. You can call and we're live, so I'd love to talk to you. My focus point today looks at a story that is how to sequence withdrawals in retirement. And it sounds like a pretty... Easy question to come right off the bat. How do you sequence? What does it mean? They're referring to what accounts do you withdraw out? What sequence? You buy, you withdraw in retirement from your IRAs first, or do you do it from your taxable accounts first? And which ones should be withdrawn uh, at what times? And it's a more difficult question than just say, well, take this, do that, because it's based on taxes, your personal tax bracket, what is your tax bracket? Uh, what is your tax bracket going to be in retirement? Uh, what kind of capital gains taxes are you going to have to pay if you sell um, stocks that gain in prices or mm, what kind of capital losses you have to apply to capital gains and if and in a not in a non taxable account that doesn't matter at all because there's no tax capital gains tax on it. But when you withdraw from an IRA or a 401k, that money is added to your income. That income that year, and you're going to have to pay income tax on it. So when you want to stay in the lowest tax bracket as possible, so then you got Roth IRAs. When you withdraw from them, there's no tax consequences at all. And maybe you should roll over, take your capital losses and your bonds capital losses because interest rates are raised rose significantly and you probably have losses, maybe you should take those losses to apply capital gains and buy the bonds in another type of account. So, so see, I'm trying to point out that it's not just, well, do this and that's how it works every time for everybody. It does not do that. It's more complex. Even the answer on this article, if you read the whole article, the, 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 so like a question is asked by one person, and the person who's answering the question takes two or three pages to answer the question because it's a complex question. It's not as simple as, well, what count should I take money out first in retirement? Well, I can't just give you, well, did you take it out of the IRAs or take it out of your tax plan? You can't do it. It's not possible. So my 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 suggestion to you is talk to a very smart CPA guy or a very smart money manager who has access to a very smart CPA guy and can look at your personal financial picture to decide to answer those kinds of questions, what's so best for you. I had this conversation with one of my sister-in-laws today. And just so you know, I have... <laughs> Uh, ten, uh, nine brother and sister-in-laws, okay, um, they're all married, so there's, you know, 18 of those, and then I have a nephew who's married, so there's two there, and then I have, you know, 30 nieces and nephews, all of them are uh, reaching adult, are already adults, or uh, so the oldest in, in their mid, mid-40s, so I, I talk to them a lot about these kind of issues, and, you know, they don't necessarily listen to me, but that's a whole other issue. Anyways, it's a tough question, everybody. So just it—you need to talk to somebody about it and divulge your personal situation to get the right answer for you. Let's go to Sid in North Carolina. How are you doing, Sid?
2: Hi, Steve. Uh, good evening. Thank you for taking time out for Thank taking you. my call. Talking about Upstart. Uh-huh. I had picked up at the wrong time, but luckily I survived and it, it has recovered a little bit and I'm having like 5 to 10% of profit. Uh-huh. Uh, but I'm thinking from the long-term perspective, should I hold this stock, a lot of volatility and I'm not sure whether I have made the right choice or okay. should I sell it off and take the profit.
1: Okay, it's called UPSART Holdings, everybody. UPST provides a cloud-based AI, artificial intelligence lending platform shared between consumers and lenders to enable effortless credit. Okay, and everybody is, you notice everybody's enamored with AI, artificial intelligence stocks. Look at NVIDIA. Um, and this is a $2.4 billion company. It's going to make money. Next year, this year it's going to lose $0.56 cents a share. Next year it'll $0.71 cents a share. And the stock is selling for $29.09, which means it's quite expensive, okay, based on the fundamentals. So it's not, you know, inexpensive. Uh, so that you got that issue to deal with. Um, it uh, it fell sharply. It got up to $300. That's how enamored AI technology stocks were when it first came out first year or so it really skyrocketed and then it went all the way down to 12 bucks now it's at 29. Fundamentally it cannot support the price it's at it's too expensive especially since the last three quarters sales have fallen sharply before that sales were growing 100 percent plus now they're shrinking they should not be shrinking in sales. And that worries me a lot. If sales were still growing 100% and plus, I would tell you to keep to hold on to it. But I don't trust it because sales have fallen three quarters in a row. Hard. I, I would I'd probably exit that one. It's Trivia Tuesday, everybody. So let's get to it. Planning for retirement today is a lot different than it was 30 years ago. For example, pensions are a thing of the past. A lot of people, young people don't even know what a pension is. they never heard of it. And yet, the clients of retirement advice haven't changed much. And according to some money experts, many cliches are badly outdated. So, as we go to break, here's my trivia question. Can you name three or four worst advice behaviors which most people probably still believe? I'll supply the answer after the break. My invest phone lines are open. 888-99-CHART.
3: Let's say each time I host the Invest Talk podcast, I have the satisfaction of taking caller questions and then breaking down the often complex dynamics involved. If you've never called, don't hold back. You can leave your Invest Talk questions on the 24-7 Anytime listener line at 888 99 Chart.
1: 888-992-4278. I'd like to get the number out so people can, you know, dial it. But you know, it's 888-99 Chart, C-H-A-R-T, so you can do that. So, before the break, I gave you a trivia question. Can you name three or four worst advice behaviors which most people probably still believe? Here's the answer. Okay, four examples. Four. First one, bad advice. A million dollars in the bank equals retirement success. Okay. I remember when I was little, a million dollars was a lot of money. So, maybe it would have been true. But, you have to really look at your expenses. I was talking to a client a number of years ago, and she had several millions of dollars, and I told her she's going to run out of money because she had four horses, and they were costing her twenty, thirty thousand dollars 30000 a month in vet bills and, and putting them up and training and all these things, and it depends on your expenses. A million dollars may not cut it on the other hand a million dollars could easily cut it if you have very low expenses sure the 4% rule may apply withdrawing 4% a year bad advice number 2 annuities and whole life insurance will protect your income the problem with annuities and whole life is there be there's products pushed per, put out by insurance companies and sold to you as a way of making uh, investments Variable annuities—it's you—you it, you cannot rely on these things. They show you great charts and graphs, and insurance companies spend big bucks on pushing and coming up with very, uh, very cogent arguments about why you should buy them. But there's a lot more arguments why you shouldn't. Number three, you can't afford a house because of your Starbucks habit. That's not true. You know, you might have bad habits, and it would be smart to cut them down or get rid of them in your spending. But buying a house is all about saving enough money for the down payment and having enough income to afford that monthly payment plus property tax and upkeep. And my my personal experience over the years is people overbuy their first house, and they really can't afford it they don't buy a small tiny little house which maybe they can afford and then move up when they can move up you know because they're making more money as years goes by but most people overbuy and they can't afford the house and in it, 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 it's like putting on a straitjacket financially just can't do anything now but you can you can save up and buy a house and i think it's a great investment Number four, bad advice number four, always withdraw from taxable accounts first. Now, we just talked about this article about how that doesn't work, how you have to look at your individual, you know, taxable income in retirement and the different counts you have, the 401ks, IRAs, Roths versus regular IRAs and taxable accounts and, you know, what capital gains you might have in them and what you don't have in them and, the income you need to produce and capital losses that you might be able to capture to apply to the cap. There's all these questions that you just it just it just can't do it. You just can't answer that question by always withdraw from the taxable accounts first. That no, not necessarily, not necessarily. So those are four things. That you really have to look at individually and carefully. One, I don't, I, I've never rec, never recommend annuities or you know, whole life and universal life. I don't think that's a good way. If you need life insurance, I'm a big believer in term life, and I'm not against life insurance at all. I'm not, but I'm, I'm against annuities and whole life and universal life. Term life is the route to go, and it's much, much cheaper. and doesn't pretend that it's an investment. It's just insurance. Remember, insurance companies love making money off of you. You know, I'm, I won't tell you how I avoid paying premiums <laughs> because I don't think I should recommend that for the average person, but I, my premiums have always been very, very low, very, very low because I don't insure my cars for collision and comp if I don't think it's worth it. And I don't, and I pay cash for cars so that I can have the freedom to not buy collision comp if I don't want to. But that's a whole, that's a whole philosophy that I have. Anyways, let's go back to the invest talk listener line and talk to Sam in San Francisco. Hi, Sam.
2: Hi, thanks, Steve, for taking my call. Um, I have a question regarding the stock uh, Palantir. Uh-huh. What would be a good entry point into that stock?
1: Okay, uh, this is Palantir Technologies, develop software to institutions to protect individual privacy and prevent the misuse of information, which is, you know, a really good field, right? I mean, that, that's going to be nothing but a growing industry, how to protect information, people's information as it gets more and more dispersed over the Internet and all the websites. So I like where they are. Okay, it is a $1.8 billion, uh, wait a minute, no, $31 billion. It's it's uh, shares in a float or $1.8 million shares, but it's a $31 billion company, so it's a big company that's not been public for very long, it came out in 2020 as a public company, and it's had a really nice move up, you've probably have seen that, just recently. Um they're making money, uh, they're growing their income. They're going to make 21 cents this year after making only six cents a share last year. Next year there's going to be 24 cents a share, and it's a $14 and 70 cents stock. So um, it's still expensive, but when you have sales growing between 18 and 30 percent per quarter, maybe it's justified for that expense. Okay, if it continues to make that kind of growth and be consistent about it, yeah, I can see that. Now, this stock is, was in a range for quite some time between $8 and $9, maybe low as $6 to $9 for the last few years. And now today it jumped up in the last, you know, what, this month, the last for the month of May up to $14.71. So now if it was me, you know, it, it's a hard question to answer, but I would probably... It's already broken what we call broken out on a chart. In other words, there's no resistance to the price and it probably just gonna go higher until it runs out of steam. So you need to be a buyer of it now. But I probably would suggest only maybe put on a half position that you want. Because I don't know where it's gonna stop. I don't I don't you know <laughs> it might go back up to twenty dollars a share easily. You know, and, and or it could stop here and retrace back to about ten. So I would buy half of it now, and if you get a retracement, I'd buy the other half. You know, if you get a retracement back down to ten or so, I'd buy the other half. But it's a kind of stock that's hard to know where it's going to stop because it's taken off. Yeah, I think it's going to stop in the twenties. So I think you need to just go ahead and bite the bullet, bite it, just buy it, Sam. Good luck with it. Let me know if it works out. And I'm gonna say you gotta give it, you know, six months to a year. And if it doesn't get into the low twenties, well, I'm all wrong. But I think it will. Okay? Thanks for the call, Sam. I really appreciate it. PLTR, Palantir Technologies. And I think it's one of the reasons why it's taken off because everybody likes that industry. Develop software to protect individual privacy information on the internet and institutions. They like everybody likes that area. So, you know, anyways, probably using artificial intelligence to do that, too, which everybody is all in love, enamored with right now, right? So, okay, um, controlling the market. You know, the NASDAQ 100 is up for the year. The S&P 500 is up for the year. But I think you really got to be careful because this is right. Oh, we're gonna, I'm going to focus on the NASDAQ 100, but it also applies to the S&P 500, The bottom, remember it's NASDAQ 100, the top 100 stocks in in the NASDAQ. The bottom 93 stocks, 93%, 93 out of 100, represents only 15.9% of the NASDAQ 100. So 93% of the stocks only represent 16% of the movement of the index. Apple represents all by itself 17.7%, just Apple. So if you bought just Apple, that has more weight than 93 other stocks on the NASDAQ 100. So Apple has 17.7%. Microsoft has 17%. NVIDIA has 14.7%. Google represents 11.5%. Amazon, 9 Tesla, 5 Those stocks alone... Dominate dramatically whether the Nasdaq goes up or down. So you can have ninety-three of the hundred stocks, but not those stocks, and you would have uh, your your portfolio will be down significantly this year. The same thing is true with the S and P five hundred. Why? Because these stocks are what we call the indexes are what we call market weighted with the stocks in them. So the bigger the company. The bigger the company, the more impacts the movement of the index, the price of the index. So if you're looking at Apple, you know, Apple is $2.8 trillion in size. Huge. Looking at Microsoft, MSFT, just for fun, $2.4 trillion. Okay, and you look at, all the other ninety-three stocks are not these, and you're looking at you know billions or few billion here, maybe one or two under under two billion. To, you know that's microscopic compared to these mammoth ones that are in the trillions, and they're the ones that control the movement of the Nasdaq up and down. And again, the same thing is true with S and P five hundred. I think of the top ten stocks top 10 stocks of the S&P 500 are like uh, dom- dominate, uh, the dominate the S&P 500. And if you didn't have those, you had the other 490 stocks, you'd be down for the year. Down. With them, you're up. And I'm up about 8 nine, ten 9%, 10%. See, so, so just... Don't fret if you're saying, "Well, how come I, you know, I have all these stocks and nothing's moving?" Well, this is one of the reasons. The big boys are the ones who are pushing around the indexes. They really are. So, is that is there an argument for owning the index? Maybe so. But the same thing can true on the downside. They dominate. If they start crashing on you, they'll no matter what the other companies do, they'll take the indexes down with you. Okay. Justin Klein, I have been telling you for a while now that we are in a new market environment because of interest rates. Cycles change. Interest rate cycles change. They have very long life, these interest rate cycles. Look, we're in a down, downward spiral of interest rate cycles now. I mean, uh, upward spiral in interest rate, upward. And we were in a downward spiral for years, decades, what, two, three decades? Downward spiral of interest rates moving down. Now we're not. So things change, and you have to adjust your thinking. you got to fit the times that you're in and adjust what's, what's in your mind about, well, I've always been successful doing this. Well, yeah, but that was because of a certain environment that you're in. Now the environment's different. So if you have trouble with this or you're having trouble understanding, Justin and I can help you with this. You know, We, 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 we at KPP Financial, we're based in Irvine, California, which is in Orange County which is in Southern California between L.A. and San Diego. And just as a reminder, we operate with a philosophy of independent thinking, shared success, meaning we provide unbiased guidance. We don't owe our allegiance to anybody. We practice parallel investing, meaning we buy the same things for ourselves we do for our clients at the same time, same percentage. So if we're not doing well, we're not doing well personally either. So, if we're doing great, we're doing pretty great personally, too. So, But we're at least on the same side of the table as you are. And I think that's important to be. I really do. I encourage you to take advantage of our offer, free portfolio review. And of course, all money managers will do that. But we'll do it with a little different bias. And our bias is going to be just to help you, even if you don't become a client. We'll help you, anyways. <clears throat> so, send us a message to investtalk.com, send us an email. Or you can call our KPP Financial Irvine, California office, and we'll be happy to set up an appointment. You know, to talk to you via Skype on the phone, whatever is convenient for you, wherever you are in the United States. Okay, and we would like to. We are different. We would like to help you. We really would. We'll, we'll help you. The sooner you contact, the sooner we can do that. Appreciate it. Thank you. And I want to thank everybody. We now have fifty-two point eight million downloads and. It's very gratifying, and I do appreciate everybody who listens and downloads our show and calls in with their questions. It really makes for an interesting show for both Justin and I and our audience, we hope. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and go to a next another question.
2: Hello, guys. I would like to ask you about Target,
1: TGT.
2: Is it uh, now a good time to buy since they are involved in this uh, transgender controversy?
1: That's it. Thank you. So that's a really good question. You know, Target's is having the same thing, same issues of Bud Light, uh, and what it just fascinates me that with this, I mean, and I don't, I really don't care what your sexual preference is. I'm really, I, I don't, you know, you're, that's personal, that's your own information. But when you're a big company and your main target audience is a certain group of people, and you. And you alienate them on purpose? That makes no sense to me. So why would Target, who is you know blue collar, down to earth, the regular Joe, their main customer is the is the person who watches their dollars and is careful? Why would you do something to alienate that base? And they are the, just like Bud White, Bud Light did. Why would you alienate your base customer? And look what damage you've done to your company. And you, we as stockholders of these companies are really, you know, we're, we get the brunt of it. Target's a very solid company. Very good company. It's $133. It's going to make $10.38 per share. So it was at, you know, 13, 14 PE. That's pretty darn low. So this is a good price to buy it. But I just do not I just don't know how long this bad news is going to last. This is Invest talk, Give me a call. 888-99-CHART.
2: Each day, InvestTalk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. And of course, Hi, your Steve, calls Justin, are always welcome 24 7. Don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888 99 Chart. Hi, Steve, Justin, Dave from Ohio. I really appreciate the program. I'm calling in about um, VF Corp. The symbol is VFC. Uh, you've talked about it many times in the past. You've liked the stock, the company, uh, but it's really taken a hit. As of right now, it's down to seventeen dollars and fifty-three cents. Dividend in jeopardy. Your thoughts about it, and if I, if I should uh, invest some more money into the stock. Be looking forward for your answer. Thank you. Uh-
1: the dividend is not in jeopardy, okay? This is VF Corporation, manufacturers, branded, jeans, wear outdoor apparel, sportswear, athletic apparel, and occupational apparel. A $6.83 billion company has fallen from like $80 a couple of years ago to $17.58. So you would think, well, then that means the earnings have just collapsed. No, it has not. They're going to make $2.10 a share this year, $2.45 a share last year. When the stock was a $100 stock, it made $2.67. Okay, so when it was a $90 stock in 2021, it made $1.24. It was 90 as a high. Low was a 65. So why is the darn thing collapse? This is a low it's been in 10 years at 1758. Therefore, now they live dividend 6.8%. Well, 6.8% of a $17 stock is What? Uh, 7%, 80 cents, 90 cents. Well, they make $2.45 next year, $2.10 this year. They can easily pay the dividend. We're trying to equity 36%. The PE ratio is what, uh, eight or nine? And the lowest it's been is eight. So it has collapsed. It's still weak. Can it go lower? Of course it can go lower. But should it? based on the fundamentals, only if we're going to go into a pretty deep recession. That's the only way I can say that it might, and that's, it's 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 acting like we're in a deep recession and we're not. Can we go in a deep recession? We could, but if we do go in a recession, I don't think it's going to be deep. So this is a good bargain stock to own. It is. But you've got to be patient. You're going to have to be patient because I can't tell you when it's going to go back up. But if it just goes up to a normal PE, if it just goes to a 10 PE, it's 24, that's a huge gain. That's a 30% gain, 10 PE. And it, has, it runs from 8 to 80 PE. That's why I like it. It's a, such a good bargain, and it's a good company, and it's ran very well. Okay, That's why I like it okay that's vfc vf corporation everybody okay um, let's see another issue i wanted to discuss home prices you know they've been up february and march right home prices up according to the case shiller been up february and march so does that mean that the home crisis is over i don't think so one of the reasons why they're up is lack of inventory but i don't think the i you know i i don't think housing was going to collapse i never thought it was going to collapse Ever. I thought that it would soften and it would go down, but I never thought it would collapse because and I still don't think it's going to collapse. The only way it would collapse if inflation jumped back up to six, seven percent and the Fed raised rates again by another two points, making you know, the Fed's fund rates uh, seven instead of five and mortgage rates would be you know, ten 8, nine, ten, then you would have a housing class. But I, I don't see that how I think the Fed's pretty close to being done. Now, also, one other point before we have to go real quick. The debt ceiling issue seems to be behind us, even though it's not finished. But it does seem to be behind us. You know, pay, pay attention because the market's going to change its focus to next month's June 14th Federal Reserve meeting on interest rates. Are they going to raise rates, lower rates, leave rates alone? The odds are they're going to raise rates another quarter point. But we'll see what the economic numbers are up until that point, because that's what's going to really control it. And the Fed, Powell has said it's going to depend on what the numbers are, the economic numbers, what they're going to do. Remember, the target rate is 2% inflation. We're not going there. <laughs> we'll probably go for. Four, four and a half, somewhere in there. I think that's where we're going to be for a long time. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Invest Talk program. Jessica Klein and I thank you for listening. And we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads. And you can get your downloads anytime at iTunes, Google Play, and or Spotify. Please be sure to review and rate us on iTunes. Remember, you can follow us on social media. Follow us on InvestTalk.com talk with two T's. And talk, no spaces. Independent thinking and shared success, this is the Talk. everybody. Good night.
0: InvestTalk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security.